Welcome to a special edition of Legal AF, the ladies version. It's Karen Friedman-Agnipolo here with Danya Perry, my colleague and friend. And we're going to talk about a new filing that Jack Smith filed just today in the uh, Washington, D.C. election Jan 6 case, the one that's supposed to go March 4th in front of Judge Tanya Chutkin, uh, who seems to be keeping that date fairly, fairly certain. And I think if it's up to her, the trial will go that day. There's there's one potential wrinkle in that, which is this whole pesky question of presidential immunity. And if the Supreme Court decides to hear that prior to the case going and potentially pause it, I think then that would be really the only thing that would potentially not have this go in March. But so Jack Smith is doing what he's supposed to be doing, and he's uh, following the law and what the law requires. And today he filed what's called a rule, federal rule of evidence 404B notice. And this is very common and standard in every criminal case. There's a state version of this and a federal version of this. Federal criminal cases call it a 404B motion in New York state court. We call it a Molyneux motion. That's Molyneux, the French spelling, M-O-L-I-N-E-A-U-X, if anyone wants to look it up themselves. And um, it's a, it's essentially, in a nutshell, it's you have to tell the court and tell the defendant so he has an opportunity to uh, to fight it or to attack or to to try to keep it out. Any evidence of prior bad acts or uncharged crimes that the prosecution intends to elicit during their case in chief in their direct case, right? So Danya, since you were a federal prosecutor for many years, you worked at the Southern District of New York, uh, which is one of the premier uh, pr federal prosecutor offices in the country, always has been. The premier, let's say it. <laughs> the sovereign district of New York, as we like to call ourselves. Exactly. And I, I never was a federal prosecutor, just a state prosecutor. So why don't you explain to everybody, what's a 404B motion? What is this just generally? As you said, Karen, it's very standard fare. It, cases are made and won on 404B evidence, also known as prior bad acts evidence, as, as you point out. it's it, it really is. It's evidence that goes to show either motive or a common plan or intent or knowledge, something other than what's known as criminal propensity. So a prosecutor cannot use another piece of evidence that's extrinsic or outside of the charge conduct if it just goes to show that the defendant is a bad person. So and there can be a thin line, and, and I'm sure we'll unpack it as we go along. So the, the government wouldn't even try, let's say in this case, to put in evidence that Trump you know, committed, you know, the, the, he's not going to put in the E. Jean Carroll uh, evidence, right, that that he was convicted of a sexual assault, because that would be that would allow the jury or encourage the jury to say, you know what, I don't know about the, the proof or the evidence that's in front of me. I'm going to discount the witnesses. All I know is that this is a bad person who has committed other crimes. And it, it, it creates a permission structure in a way for this jury to 
to discount the evidence and to convict uh, the person in front of them on, on something other than than what they're supposed to be looking at. So the prosecution is is burdened with proving to the judge, uh, usually pre-trial, what that purpose is. So one of the exceptions to the to the kind of the propensity rule. And and those exceptions can sometimes swallow this rule. For example, if you're using evidence to show a defendant's intent or knowledge, that really, you know, can encompass a wide variety of conduct. So probably the best way for us to unpack this is is to go through some of the categories and you and I can can sit here and game out and and act like, you know, judges and um you know, weigh in on, on on how strong we think some of these arguments are. I, I think so that's I'll fun. That to you, if you yeah, want yeah. No, that'll walk, be fun. Walk that, yeah, we'll we'll play <laughs> we'll play judge. Just to kind of um, underscore what you said, because I think you explained it beautifully. In the state, in state court, the way it would play out a lot was, let's say you had a a burglar. You know, somebody who who commits burglary. Those typically happen to be recidivists, right? Those are people who do it over and over and over and over and over again. And you sometimes have evidence of prior burglary convictions, right? That that were from the past. And so of course this is the guy, right? He he absolutely did it. And you cannot offer it to show that. You can't show, oh no, he's a burglar. Like he's the kind of guy who would do this. And therefore you you know it's him. You could, however, if for example, he had the same, we call it the same modus operandi or the same, you know, MO to, or a common scheme or plan. Like if he always did it a certain way, or if he always used a certain tool, or if he always, you know, stole women's underwear, like that, you know, little things like that, that were very kind of quirky and uniquely to show that it's that same person. That's one way of doing it. Right. So there, that that's just a, a real world example of how, Normally it can't come in, but that's how it does come in. So let's go through this motion, as you said. Uh, so Jack Smith, it's a nine page motion. It's not that long. And basically what he said was, although we believe that all of the evidence that we're talking about and that we're, we'd like to introduce is intrinsic to the crime, meaning it's part of the crime, it's essential to the crime. Uh, some of it occurred before the charged conduct of the conspiracy and some occurred after. And so it's not technically in the conspiracy. And just to remind everyone, the Jack Smith kept this indictment really, really tight. It's one defendant, four charges, and the period of the conspiracy is also quite short. The period of the conspiracy was November of 14th of 2020 to January 20th, 2021 for two of the charges. And then a shorter, even shorter, it was November 14th, 2020 to January 7th, 2021 for two of the charges. So what he's basically saying is we want to talk about stuff that happened before November of 2021 after January or 2020, after January of 2021, and some stuff in between that might not be mentioned in the indictment to show the things that you were talking about. And, you know, we could go on and on about, well, why did he charge such a short conspiracy? Because if it was longer, all of this stuff would come in, right? Anything within the period of the conspiracy pretty much comes in. And why did he do it that way? And, you know, so we we can sort of talk about that. But the other and of course, things that happen after it's hard to say 
you know, it's hard to predict how he would have done that since it's happened since he's, you know, some of it continues, right? Uh, the other thing I just want to point out that that I'd love for you to comment on was uh, was co-conspirator statements and co-conspirator by charging someone as an unindicted co-conspirator because if you recall, there's I think six of them in the indictment. He's the only Trump's only the only named indictment. There's six unindicted co-conspirators. Why? What, what does that do from an evidentiary perspective? What does that allow Jack Smith to do from an, if 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 someone's a co-conspirator like? a co-conspirator statement and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it allows the prosecution to to offer statements of co- conspirators, co-conspirators, even unindicted ones into evidence. So it, it, it if there is a statement made by an alleged co-conspirator in furtherance of that scheme, that likely will come in. Here, I believe there's another say, co-conspirator, right? right, who popped up in this motion today, yep. uh, this this election worker who out of Detroit, right, who was inciting riot, essentially. I don't believe we've seen that person. And there's some redacted language there, which I it certainly seems like that points to the connection between that unindicted co-conspirator and and Trump, meaning some 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 through line, some thread that connects that what that person did, which was try to incite riot in in a Detroit uh, election center, to 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 Trump's knowledge. So that's a, that's an interesting little tidbit that at least I hadn't been aware of before. I don't think was publicly yeah. known, but that's very powerful evidence yeah. when the government can can I mean, put those statements in. That might be a cooperator that they've developed since, right? Right. Um, and, and of course, this is entirely in the judge's discretion, right, about whether or not to allow this evidence. And what they're going, what the judge will do is they will weigh the probative value and the prejudicial impact. And look, just because something's prejudicial doesn't mean it doesn't come in. All evidence tending to prove guilt is prejudicial, right? So it's it's they out they they sort of balance it and uh, we'll make a decision. So okay, let's get to the meat of the of the 404 B motion. So point number one, Karen, just to pick up one one point you just made, entirely discretionary with the judge, and as you pointed out earlier, courts can go different ways, but this ruling, unlike. Uh, the ruling that Judge Chutkin just made on immunity, which will be uh, likely uh, should be appealed and could go up to the Supreme Court, maybe back down. This these kinds of evidentiary rulings are not allowed to be immediately appealed in the way they are in New York State, for example. So this this ruling will hold through trial. And that's that's an important point here. Yeah, that's a great so, point. You can only appeal after a conviction. You can't appeal during the pendency. That's a great point. And these cases, as I said in the beginning, can make or break your case. It really, the the jury you know, listens very intently when they hear evidence of other crimes or other bad acts. It, it, it tends to, even though it doesn't show, quote unquote, criminal propensity, it does, you know, make them think, oh, okay, this is not, this is not, you know, not a bad behavior. Yeah. Correct. So so just to start with that, I think the first couple categories that the government points to are kind of no brainers. It's pre indictment election denial and uh, Mr. Trump's refusal to agree to a peaceful transition of power. And that goes back all the way to November of 2012, I believe. So as you pointed out, there's a tight uh, 
time frame for the conspiracy, but 404B evidence can stretch way back in time. And here it does. And, and the government doesn't cite to any law, which is interesting. Their briefs are usually chock full of precedent. Right. It was so short. But this is, I think, yeah, it was short and, and right to the point. And this one, I think, really didn't need much support. It's it's pretty obvious that this kind of denialism, going back again to 2012, where Mr. Trump is 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 prejudging essentially the results of an election, or the afterwards, if he doesn't like the results of an election, he'll go ahead and claim that there was fraud. So the government points out this goes to a common theme, a common plan, or a pattern. And I, I don't think the judge is going to pause very long on on these arguments. We'll see what Mr. Trump's lawyers come up with, of course, and she'll consider that. But um, I, I don't think there's much room here for for a counter argument. Yeah. In addition, I think it also shows that his intention, right? His intent. In other words, he always intended to right. get obstruct. this, yeah, to obstruct this and and to steal the election no matter what because he's done it as far back as 2012 with an election that had nothing to do with him, right? That was, I think, Mitt Romney and Obama, Mm -hmm. so where he was making that claim. So then it gets to evidence of the defendant and co-conspirators' knowledge of the unfavorable election results and motive and intent to subvert them. And that's where the indictment lists multiple examples, where it talks about after the indictment lists multiple examples of defendants' effort during these conspiracies to pressure the state's elect, you know, electors. They call, he called them invalid electors, not fake electors or alternate electors. Um, they, he said the government plans to introduce evidence, uh, basically, that the defendant, um, this is where I think this is what you were talking about in Detroit, this other person that came that that suddenly appears um, evidence that the defendant and, and a campaign worker in Detroit, you know, that there's a series of text messages exchanged uh, with this individual uh, encouraging rioting and other methods of obstruction. I, I found that kind of shocking. Right. If, if that exists. Yeah. And then, I mean, there must be text messages and or, as you point out, a cooperating witness that will substantiate this. And again, the redacted text must talk about how what evidence the prosecution has that Mr. Trump knew about, uh, you know, this attempt to incite. So that will be very interesting once that gets unredacted and, you know, or the judge rules and or we, you know, we see the evidence at at trial. But I mean, it's redacted for us, the public, but not for Mr. Trump, yeah. right? Yeah, correct. So, and, and yeah, go on. Right, and and judge uh, the judge will obviously rule on it, and we'll see if you know she doesn't have to explain in her ruling, you know exactly what that thread is. Um, she can she can just rule on it, and so we'll uh, you know we'll see. She she tends to be pretty quick with these things, and again, some of these seem relatively easy. <laughs> that one's easy. I think that one's easy too. Yeah. Right. It shows they they knew they lost. And it also shows intent, you know, motive to obstruct and overturn the results. Right. Yeah. So the next one is a couple of those exceptions for sure. Yeah, exactly. Then pre and post conspiracy evidence that the defendant and his co-conspirators suppressed proof that their fraud claims were false and retaliated against officials who undermined their criminal plans. This one upset me so much when I was reading it. I just I know. couldn't believe what just a reminder of of the viciousness that he and his people, you know, went after individuals. This was defendant and co-conspirator number one, who I think is Giuliani, right? 
Uh, yes, I think CNN has has verified that, but yes, we would yeah. know that. I think. Yeah, and basically um, how how they were retaliating against you know individuals to stifle you know aggressively stifle dissent you know and um, and publicly attack people you know and that that was this one and the next one was also um, to attack Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. And, you know, that one was the, and, and Mike Pence, you know, and it was interesting because they also talk about how even after the Jan six select committee hearings and the videos of, of Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss, you know, these public servant election workers talked about how, Trump after Trump would say things about them and call them out as, you know, all the vicious, vile, racist, horrible things he said about them. They talked about the harassment, the death threats and the, you know, all all of that, what happened to them as a result. And Jack Smith in this motion points out that that's when um, Trump doubled down was a word he used in his motion and continued to do this despite that. And and, you know, I thought that was really, pa- that's really powerful um, evidence that yeah. shows he knew what he was doing. And he, not only that, he intended for the result, he intended, you know, to do what he, like he said to Caitlin Collins on CNN in that, that weird town hall, you know, he said, my supporter, my, my followers listen to me like no one else. He knows that. And, and I think right. this is just evidence of that. So I think that comes in. What about you? This one I'm I think is a little iffier only um, for the reason that you mentioned earlier that the judge is is required to balance probative value against prejudicial impact and it, for exactly the reasons you said it's so upsetting the 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 stories you remember from the January six commission hearings with the testimony from those two Georgia election workers was was riveting and gut-wrenching and so the judge is going to look at i mean there's there's going to be plenty of evidence uh that of incitement and of 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 threats that were made that are in the indictment right the whole pressure campaign against pence and various state officials all of that this of course tends to support that but it also because of that impact i think the judge is really gonna gonna have to weigh that and decide you know and and she might err on the side of of caution here given the tremendous volume of of evidence here at least in my in my judgment and as laid out in the indictment so uh you know we'll see i i think she would have solid grounds to rule in the prosecution's favor here um but you know as you pointed out just to call back to your earlier comments about how narrowly crafted the indictment is. I think these 404B requests are also quite narrowly drawn. And I think it's for the same reason or one of the same reasons, I think, as you said, we could discuss it at great length, why the indictment is drafted the way it is. I think one of the reasons is just to keep things really tight. If the government really wanted to put in a mountain of 404B evidence of of quote unquote prior bad acts, there's a lot more they could do. We talk about acts of retaliation. You know, there there have been um, you know years and years of that. Uh, you know, my client Michael Cohen has has been on the receiving end of that, and we just briefed that in the in the uh, DA's office prosecution in Manhattan. So 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 I I think they are trying to keep it really tight here, and I think that the judge, 
you know, she, she is, is very, very thoughtful and considered and measured. And so this is one where I thought it could go either way. Unlike some of the other ones we've talked about. Interestingly, as you know, Trump is fighting to keep any mention of the Jan 6 attacks out of the indictment, right? Because he says, I wasn't responsible for it. And so Jack Smith is saying, no, not only were you responsible for it, you actually, this is what you wanted. You wanted violence. And so the next category, he is another example of what he said, you know, is, 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 clearly wanting violence. So where on September 29, 2020, during the presidential debate, when he was asked to denounce the Proud Boys, that famous stand back and stand by and the Proud Boys, you know, got T-shirts and it was their rallying cry and they knew what it meant. And um, and, you know, this was part of the plan, right, was 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 to do this. And, And also the fact that when he could have called them off during the uh, Jan six, um, during, during the riot, um, he could have called them off and didn't. And I think that also goes to intent that he, or goes to his intent that he intended the violence. Yeah. So I, I vote that it's going to come in. You say you're not sure it'll be interesting to see, you know? Well, I think I, I would say on that category, the showing of support for the rioters, I do think that will come in. So I, I, I draw a little bit of a distinction here. I, I I think the government made a strong case that this shows intent and that right. he meant to send these people over, you know, to to upset or to obstruct the 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 congressional certification. So uh, on that one, I, I think I mean, and and that's powerful evidence too, right? He's he he brings them out or brings them up at his campaign rallies, and he. You know, very publicly, apart from that comment that you mentioned, which you know has has, has now you know been um, merchandised, <laughs> um, it is you know it, it, he's he's made a number of comments. So she lets that category in. Um, there's going to be a lot of evidence that, in fact, he supported these people, and this is exactly what he meant for them to do. Yeah, he even calls out how he how he supports the um, like Enrique Tario from the Proud Boys, who is convicted of the most serious crime, seditious conspiracy, and calls him. You know, I don't know, remember what he called him, but like a patriot. Patriot. Yeah, he's been treated horribly, and how he you know plays the Jan Six Choir's national anthem at his rallies, and yeah, you mean the the hostages? Yeah, the the political host. He calls them political hostages, meaning the people who are in jail or prison. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, personally, I think it all comes in, but what do I know? You know, I've never, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I never practice as a prosecutor in federal court, but to me, this all seems like it would come in. And as you said, it seems so limited. I mean, this could have been a hundred page motion of prior bad acts. Right. And, right. and that doesn't even begin to talk about if Donald Trump testifies at a criminal. Oh, I was about trial. to say. Go the ahead. impeachment evidence they are going to want to get in. I mean, and and that's going to be a fascinating call, right? Whether he chooses to testify or not. So I that's think a whole other impossible. Just just then, Eugene Carroll and all that stuff does come in, right? So that's, I think, yeah. you know, just to mention one of, as you say, I mean, it it could be a hundred page eliminate motion. So yeah, so just to tell everyone who um, might not practice criminal law, um, these are two separate 
motions. There's one of prior bad acts that you want to introduce in your case in chief, right? And that's what this is. That's what you want to introduce regardless of whether or not the defendant testifies. And then there's another, another we call it in the state Sandoval evidence. I don't know if there's a federal rule for it, probably, because there's a federal rule I think for it's everything. 608. I don't. No one ever testifies. Defendants ever testify. Yeah, well, in the state, people testify a lot. Anyway, so um, so what you do is you make a Sandoval motion, which is judge if the defendant's going to testify. These are all the prior bad acts that I'd like to cross-examine him with. And of course, anytime a defendant or any witness testifies, credibility is uh, always an issue. And so, so any prior bad acts that tend to show go to his credibility and show he's a liar would come in. And boy, is that list just miles and miles and miles long. So that's very, it's it's just very interesting. So we haven't even gotten to that yet. So anyway, any final words, Danya, before we sign off? No, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the response because as as you and I have been saying for the past, you know, half an hour, um, this one seems hard for them to, you know, it seems not that defensible. But they've been putting up a lot of fights. Like they've made a lot of motions uh, and they're they're keeping busy. And, you know, some of them, when you wade through a lot of the political rhetoric, some of them have had, I, in my view, again, putting on my fake judge hat is, uh, you know, that might have some some merit. But this one is, as I think, going to be a, not a very close call. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Danya. Always a pleasure to have you join our little legal AF family and, uh, and hopefully you'll come back again soon. Of course. Thanks. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram at Midas Touch to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.